I'm Jess McCauley, and I'm a theater artist and a total introvert. I'm Phil Rickaby, and I'm a writer and performer, and I also am an introvert. And this is the Introvert's Guide to... I want to go over because you you've just finished. Uh, uh, did you do two fringes? I did. I did London Fringe and Ottawa Fringe. So you've done two fringe festivals, and which means that introverted Jess oh. had to self promote, and also was in unfamiliar territory, at least in Ottawa. So I want to talk about about how that went, and 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 if you learned anything. Oh yeah. So first off, let's I mean let's talk about uh the the show that you were doing. And I know this is not like this is not my other podcast, so we won't linger too much about the show that you were doing because we're not going to we're more interested in the introverted side, but I just want to give people a sense of what you were doing as you were putting yourself out there. So the the show that you were doing was uh, a solo performance, and if people listened to our conversation about being the center of attention, um they uh will have known that um, that's not a comfortable position for you, but we did talk about that a little. Yeah, absolutely. So like, you know, it, it was really fun for a bit, just the the romanticizing of, oh, I'm away in another city. I'm doing my show. I'm an artist. And it was great. But, you know, I remember standing backstage in Ottawa and, and I remember actually messaging you this later, but I remember standing backstage, not knowing anybody, and there's other people who are doing shows, you know, a, a two-hander, there's some solo artists, but they've already have their own little click going. And I remember standing backstage feeling like that kid at camp that, that doesn't know anybody who's like just, just new and everyone's already established these clicks. So for me, getting out there and doing my work was a huge learning curve first of all, and being able to talk about it without, you know, my eyes going down going, well, you know, it's just my first time. And, you know, just, just don't come. It's not that good. But it's just, I had to really push myself this time to get my work out there. Um, and, and, and I had to remember that this wasn't about making friends. Mm. This wasn't about going to have a new group and a new lease on life. This was about me at my work. I am at my place of work right now and I needed to focus instead of getting myself into that place. Now for those, those, those clicks that you mentioned that had already sort of formed, uh, were those local people or were those people who'd already been on the fringe circuit for a couple of, a couple of cities? It's definitely, definitely the fringe veterans. Those guys are awesome. They were nothing but helpful. And it was just, you could just tell though that that's, they were together on this, for a long time they've been touring that's just it they're just you know they're bumming around afterwards or they're you know they're um oh ottawa was pretty cool we actually had this thing called the sky lounge nobody else has a sky lounge everyone else has a beer tent so tell me about what, what's what's the sky tell me about the sky lounge uh, you had to be there, Phil. No, I'm, jo- I'm no, joking. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But the the sky lounge was great. It was actually at the arts court. Um, it was up on the roof. They had this new little patio space and fringers could go to the third floor and you get your local craft beer. You can get some wine, of course, but you can hang out on the rooftop patio of the arts court in Ottawa downtown. 
and it had the most beautiful view ever. And it, it was just, it was awesome. It was just like a fringe, you know, like the beer tent really, but mm-hmm. this was just a little bit more, I don't know. It was, it's sexy. <laughs> well, the beer, the beer tent isn't known for its vistas generally. Right. It is a beer tent. So it's known for its drunkenness. Yeah. You're there to knock off for the night. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about some of the challenges. I don't want to talk necessarily right now about, about uh, uh, billeting because that mm-hmm. was something that's another, that's another topic. Oh, definitely. In terms of doing the fringe self-promotion, which is all about putting yourself out there and all about walking up to people and talking about your show. What, what was, what was, what was that like? And, and how did you survive? Do you know, um, having a, a really solid pitch is what grounded me and reminded me that flyering is what's going to bring people to your show. So knowing what exactly what I was going to say and, and having that presentation ready was, was helpful certainly, but also I really needed to be ready for rejection. You have to remember patrons are constantly flyered. They, they've got fringe artists who do the faux pas of flyering after people are leaving a show instead of, you know, as they're going in. Um, it, it was really a fight sometimes to get people to take your flyer because you, you've got a lot of artists, like I said, who have already flyered people. You, you got to really run. I feel like sometimes you had to go, I've got this group and you, you know, you've got them and you're, you're handing out your flyers like crazy. You're leaving flyers all over their table. It was a little bit of chaos, but I think once you get the groove and the smooth sailing, it's really not as competitive as you think it is. But it, it's definitely intimidating when you feel like you're invading people's spaces. When you were when you're saying tables, were you like flaring at the beer tent and walking up to people, or did you mostly do lines? Did you do a combination of the two? I yeah, it was a bit of a combination. Um, for me, Ottawa or sorry, not Ottawa. London, uh, London. We didn't have a beer tent. We uh, we actually just had a a restaurant that we'd go to, uh, half half restaurant, half um, bar, but pub. Yeah, it's a pub. Um, we'd meet up at this pub afterwards, and there were quite a few patrons there. I didn't, I didn't take my flyers with me for this, and I, I think I should have just in case for that networking purpose. Um, but I would mostly get people in lines. I found that that was the most comfortable place for me. They're not moving. They're staying there. And I can work my way up the line. Uh, it, it felt a little bit more organized to me. So I tried to avoid the the quote-unquote the beer tent. I definitely got them when they were lining up in the venue, though. I think that, that fringe festivals that have lines, because not all of them do, mm-hmm. um, it is ex- people who are in the lines do expect to be flyered. right. For me, it was like if I saw like maybe three flyers in their hand, that's too many. I I would have felt really bad going, oh, room for one more. Come see my show? Question mark. I think, you know, I, I think like for me, I think, and of course, I, I'm, I, I haven't done this yet. Mm-hmm. You Sometimes people, like if there's a, a, a duo, somebody will give like one flyer to, to each couple and maybe giving a flyer to the person who doesn't have one. I remember when you and I had our first conversations about sweating buckets when we were thinking about flyering, and I'm looking back on that now going, oh, girl, you had no idea. <laughs> you had no idea what was coming your way. When you, when you say that, is it, what, 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 what do you mean that you had no idea? Well, it's, it's one thing to conceptualize it when we think about flyering, you know, like, oh, you know, for you, it's you, you want to put your head between your knees and just cradle yourself for a bit. For me, it was, okay, I got to be ready for this because I hadn't quite done it, you know, very often. 
I did the fringe back in 2016, but that was, you know, I had, I was directing and I had a, a cast of four, so they could do most of the flyering as well. Cause they had great little, little gimmicks that they could use. But for me, actually getting all the tips and tricks and, and people giving me the greatest advice it's one thing to say, be prepared for it. It's another to actually experience that rejection of handing your flyer and someone going, oh, no, thank you. I'll try to make time to see it. I'm walking away. That that's It stings a little bit. But you know what? It's thing- have, you, have, you, have you had somebody like literally say to your face, oh, I'm not going to see your show? I haven't. No, I feel like that's even worse. Oh, my gosh. I have. I have. Now, it wasn't with a solo show, but it was with a show where there are other people. So we had each other to be like, do you realize, you know, they, that, that somebody actually said, no, I'm not going to see your show. That is so rude. I know. It was like you just wanted to say, listen, you don't have to tell me that. Yeah. You can simply accept my flyer and then when I leave, deposit it in the recycle bin or use it as a bookmark or something. You do not need to say to me, I'm not going to see your show. Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like that's just, that's more than salt on the wound. That's like hot sauce on a wound. Like that's wow. When you were like, when you were getting ready to do your, your, your promotion, did you, did you have to psych yourself up? Did you like how, in terms of this is the, I mean, in a way people, people might not realize how much like networking this is. And you know, all those times that we scoffed at the elevator pitch mm-hmm. when we were talking about networking. Um, this is, I mean, this is like an elevator pitch, although a two minute elevator pitch for a fringe pitch is too long. Right. But you still have to get in there. You have to walk up to somebody, make eye contact with them, and start doing your pitch. You know what? I'm very thankful. I had my lovely extroverted fiance where every time I went to turn away and go, no, I, I don't I don't think so, he'd turn my shoulders around and push me towards them. You are very fortunate. I am very fortunate because if had it not have been for him, I would not have flyered as much as I would have. And God love him for it because you know what? It takes a lot. It, it, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of hyping yourself up and getting yourself ready to go that people don't realize is so integral to the job. Like that is just it. If you want those butts in the seats, the fringe program is only going to do so much for you. It'll really do nothing. It lets people know when to see your show, when your show can be seen, but it doesn't really tell them much about your show. Exactly. You got to go out there and do the work. And, you you know, having that personality in front of them is is great for them in picking the show because people can identify with you in some way. There's some connection. They're going to want to see you on stage. And that's what I had to keep remembering every time, even if it was two seconds before walking up to these people, you go, those are people that you might see in the audience. So get going. It's true. Now, when when you were about to like bail before your fiance was like, no, no, go. <laughs> what is it that you were, were thinking? Were you, were you, uh, were you just like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. Or was there something else going on? What was, what was going through your head when you were thinking about bailing? I think I was really self-conscious about my show. 
because I was really one of the only darker shows on in both fringes. Hmm. Uh, there in both uh, London and Ottawa, there was more than a handful of auto um, autobiographical storytelling shows mm-hmm. of the coming of age and the the you know oh, you have to learn to love yourself though that's not what my show was about it's what it got lumped into at some points um it was that it felt like i didn't stand a chance it was my self-consciousness and my nerves that were telling me you can't do it and maybe mm. it's best you have a small house so you don't fail as much and i think i was robbing myself of that opportunity i was letting my anxiety get the better of me and that's shame on me for that really oh sure but i mean your show is very personal and mm-hmm. it really puts you out there even though it's the character of Jess McCauley, it is still based on you um yeah and so <laughs> it's like there is a certain amount of like oh if i don't have a big house i'm kind of protecting myself from putting myself out there, which we know is a thing that you, you have yep. difficulty with. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much. I mean, like, you know, I, I had, um, I had smaller numbers and I don't mind talking about this. Like I did have smaller numbers, but I, I liked that it was intimate in that way. But at the same time, I know there was a nagging voice in there saying, you know, it's better this way. And it's not, it's, I'm not going to grow as an artist. And this is for anybody else listening. You're not going to grow as an artist. If you keep saying smaller numbers are better because my work's not that good. That's not the making of a better artist. You're not bettering yourself that way. You're robbing yourself. The interesting thing is that as you're talking about the fact that there were a lot of uh, autobiographical shows, there were maybe a little lighter and yours was one of the only ones on the darker side in a way, you were kind of robbing your audience of the opportunity to see something different. There might have been a whole subset of people who were like, all I ever get are these saccharine, I learned how to love myself stories that are just sort of humorous and pithy when they could get something with a little bit of meat on it. And you weren't able to communicate that because you were thinking about how it would be easier to have a smaller house. And see, that's, and that's just it is you, you're not seeing your work for what it really is. And if my work is darker, then, then that's just it. I am, I'm not that, I like a little bit of meat in that way and that's okay. I like going into the hard stuff. My, my next show that I'm coming up with is going to be a little bit trickier to communicate, mm-hmm. but it's, I'm not going to be afraid of that anymore. Go head on into it. If you're going to commit to it, you got to commit to the shit. That's that's just the what you got to do. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this is this is really your first solo show. Yes, the first time that you're putting yourself and very much yourself out there alone on stage, and that is a stressful thing. Oh yeah. When I was doing my my solo show the first time in Hamilton, um, I think that if my first performance had been sold out, I might have instead of feeling like I was going to vomit, I might have actually been vomit because um, it was the, really the first time in front of people. Yeah, I I really like the fact that my group was small on opening night because it it was a really great way of hearing the show as a conversation, and and that was you know it was actually really confusing. I, one review that I got was actually rather negative about the show, and it was I felt like I was just listening to somebody telling me about their life story in their living room, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like I can't I, that's 
that's what I was kind of going for. I want you to relax. This is a hard story. <laughs> what? And then I, it, thankfully someone commented, was like, yeah, that's, that's a storytelling show, my friend. Like, yeah. 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 Uh, welcome. Welcome to storytelling. Yeah, exactly. Um, what are the lessons that you learned from this? Because I mean, going in, I mean, you hadn't flyered for a solo show. You hadn't um, really walked up to a group of people on your own to talk about yourself. Which is essentially what you're doing, especially when you're promoting a solo play. So what are the lessons that you learned? Oh my gosh, I learned so many. Oh man. I really learned what a beautiful thing it is to take your part to take apart your life, navigate through it, and create this beautiful string of events that create something for someone else to connect to. Now I know that's a little broad, but I want to come back to the fact that when you're analyzing your show, when you're analyzing your story, I had to learn to really step out of myself for a moment. And I remember when you and I were chatting and saying, you know, how do I, you know, how do I get an audience to connect with this? How do, how do I bring them into the story and land us somewhere? I think stepping out of myself made me step out of my comfort zone and it made me really in a good way, very good way, critical of my work, of what I want to say. And because of that, my my theater company, New Twist, has changed dramatically as to what it would like to do. Um, I've learned a lot about myself in terms of what I want to give back as an artist. So I, I really want to take my shows and I'd love to bring them to uh, groups of women to talk about self-empowering. I'd love to talk to you know, high school students about just finding yourself. I uh, talking about mental illness. It's just, it's amazing what kind of strides that I've taken in theater because I thought it was all about naively. I, I thought it was, you're just going to produce theater, put it out there, get butts in the seats and that's it. Try and get a paycheck. It's so much more than that. It's this beautiful experience that you are sharing with people that doesn't just disappear off into the ether when it's done. You got to bring it back and, and give it that sense of meaning. So stepping out of myself and, and putting aside my ego, putting aside, you know, who I think I am in this world. And, you know, I think I'm the greatest, you know, I, I really stopped doing that this time and it's informed my future work. It's, it's just what an amazing experience. It was so eye opening. Those are the things that you learned. Going in, what were your biggest challenges? Like, what was the most difficult part for you? Not taking a bad review to heart. I, when I got that bad... That and that is a tough one. Yeah, I actually cried. I I cried because, Mm. you know, this show was so much to me. It, It meant more than anything in the world. I mean, I put everything aside for this and... It was, you know, this is my life story that I have never been able to tell anybody over a decade. It's been secrets. And I think I just took it a little bit too to heart instead of maybe hearing the criticism behind it and hearing that, you know, the reviewer wasn't saying the show was bad. It was saying something else. And for me, I took that and I made the show even better when I came to Ottawa. The show really blossomed into something. And I think for me, it's understanding that reviewers are not out to get you and, and not all of them, maybe not all of them are going to give you advice that is maybe conducive to what you're trying to do, 
But bad reviews are not the end of the world. It's not the end of your career. But it's a very hard pill to swallow. It sure is. And it's one of those things where, I mean, when I was in theater school, there was like, never read your reviews until the show is over. Right. Which is one of those things that you can't really do for Fringe. Because especially if you're a solo artist, you need to be able to use those reviews when you're talking to people. You need to know what do you need to like put on a sticker and add to your poster? What do you need to, to be able to throw out there? All this stuff, you have to be aware of it. But it's really hard when the show is still so close to your heart. If, it, if you get a bad review, what do you do with it? That's a tough one. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, my <laughs> this is actually the second time, you know, I, the first time I got a bad review uh, in the 2016 Fringe, I got a bad review and I had a lot of people like totally disagree with it. And it happened again this year where it was just this, you know, this poor reviewer, just like this guy is really nice. He's a great guy had a huge amount of backlash on him. And it was great to see that support. But at the same time, you know, I felt bad for the reviewer. It was just, you know, he was just trying to do his job, right? Really. And I'm thinking about, okay, what sort of grab lines can I get from this? Can I get anything? Can I put this on social media somewhere? And you know what? Lo and behold, I just used the fact that I got mixed reviews as as another poll for people. And it actually worked. It got more people in the seats to come see what the show was all about, right? It's interesting how difficult a bad review can be. Had you considered the possibility of a bad review before you before you got one? Oh Had you yeah. About it? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I I've been you know, without saying too much, I've been in some um, in some bad shows. I, I've been in some bad shows. I'm no stranger to bad reviews. Like they've never been targeted at me. But I needed to be okay with the fact that it, you know, you're on stage by yourself. Who else are they going to review here? You've written it, you produced it, your company, your name all over the place, right? You yeah. need to be prepared. I mean, that's the one thing that I was so terrified in in doing my own show was the fact that this is the first time. It's not the first thing I'd written, mm-hmm. and it's not the first thing I'd produced. But this is the first time it was like my words, my production, me on stage, and just me. So the only person that they can fault is me. Right. And suddenly the reality kicks in that maybe this wasn't such a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) So all in all, now you did, you did this, you did London, you did Ottawa, you learned stuff about your show, maybe even your pitch when you were in London that you took with you to Ottawa. So now that that's over, do you want to do it again? Yep. Oh, 1000%. I am so excited for next year. I'm coming in louder. <laughs> Are you so you want to do more fringes with this show? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I'm taking this show and I got another one in the works. So that's that's a good thing. <laughs> nice. Absolutely yeah. nice. What about you? Are you doing it next year? Uh, going to try. I mean, I'm going to Halifax with my show, um, the Halifax Fringe with my show this summer. I'm doing a one night only here before that just so that i can get a performance under my belt but um yeah i mean i would love to do uh more next year we'll see how i do with with flyering this year this is the first time because when i did this play in hamilton i was not the only person flyering my director had come to town and he flyered every line that he saw oh so the two of us were flyering not necessarily together i don't have that this time i will be in halifax by myself so I will not have an extroverted fiance to uh, push me 
add a line of people and say, go. Oh, um, no, that's... I, I have to do that to myself somehow. You want, you can borrow mine. He's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I'll, I think I'll leave him at home with you. I do feel like, although, again, as I'm thinking about it, I can feel that, that my palms sweat and my heart race. You and, do, and eh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> as I think about like walking up to people and doing that, like this is the thing even more than performing this show. Because I've performed this show before, so I'm not afraid of it so much. Um, but flyering a line, walking up to people and, 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 and asking them to come and see my show mm. that I am, I am, uh, uh, freaked out by. So oh. I need to, while I am in, in Halifax, find some coping mechanisms for that so that I can do that next year. Cause I want to go to more places next year. This is not a conversation that's just for theater people because this, the first off, the things you learned about putting yourself out there, if you have to give a speech or if you have to even like if you're trying to put together your elevator pitch for um, for like when you're meeting people, these are things you have to do. And even though I admittedly, you know, I, I'm just as I'm thinking about it again, like every time my heart raises my my my, my hands start to sweat. Um walking up to people and giving your elevator pitch. This is something that you at some point will have to do. Mm-hmm. And so maybe hearing that it's possible to do that and not die. Yeah, no, you are in yeah. fact going to live when this is done. That is true. And that, yeah. and you know what? It's a good thing to hear. You walking up and starting the conversation, as difficult as that may be, as much as you want to crawl under a rock, you aren't going to die. No, you're not. Even though you feel like you might want to. Exactly. Even though you really, really, really want to go into a hole and die there. But, you know, you're going to feel better that you did it. You're going to be so much happier and be proud of yourself that you did it. 